second Bible reading, I'm reading from John chapter um, chapter 13, verse 13, uh, verse 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were within loving having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't, do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to be, as for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was to clean was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a, his, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Sally. Good evening, church, and good evening to those online. It's great to be here tonight. Uh, we're looking at this amazing passage in John 13, so please keep your Bibles open. And just one verse is verse uh, 14. Jesus said this, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. It was uh, 1994. I was visiting a church in London, a church I'd never been to before, a quite famous evangelical church. I knew nothing about it. And I did what all new people do. I arrived early before everyone else. And there was a man outside, a grey-haired man, and he, he had a broom in his hand. He was sweeping the foyer. He was brushing away the autumn leaves. And he was picking up litter with his bare hands. Lovely guy. I had a lovely chat. It made me feel really, really, really welcome. Walked to church and I was worshipping God and then I was just astounded when that same man climbed into the pulpit to preach the sermon. And before he opened his mouth, I knew that he was worth, worth listening to because actions speak louder than words. I'm thinking, there's a humble man. There's a man who wants to serve. And only afterwards did I find out his name. His name was John Stott the rector of All Souls Langham Place. And there he was, 
broom in hand, sweeping up leaves, picking up litter. Because as a true servant of Jesus Christ, there was no task that was beneath him. I've seen the same here in Sydney. I know of an assistant pastor who rosters himself on to do creche once a month to clean the vomit of other people's kids so that the mums and dads can actually sit in church and hear a sermon. What a blessing that is. I know of a warden who is a CEO of a large company in, in the city and every single week he vacuums the church. doesn't want that to be known, but he just does that. I know the KCC speaker, the platform speaker at Katoomba, after he'd given the talk, he's found cleaning the toilets to keep himself humble. And I share those stories, and you're thinking, wow, they're extraordinary stories. But they shouldn't be. That should be the ordinary. That should be the norm. Because if, if our Lord Jesus Christ, if the King of the universe, the Son of God, if he the one with all power and authority, if he can humble himself and stoop low and wash the dirty, smelly feet of disciples, then so can we. No, so should we. And I think the reason we find those stories extraordinary is that we live in this this age of entitlement or this age of the ego or the age of the superiority complex. And we live in this age where, you know, we have the, the, the MPs doing their photo shoots with the, the sausages who just look good. And you hear of senior pastors of churches who refuse to stack the chairs or to pick up the litter because that's beneath them. And we have church members who just rock up to church week in, week out, expecting everything to be done for them in exactly the way that they want it done for them. Otherwise, they have a temper tantrum. And that's the age that we live in, this age of me, 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 me. Here on the lower North Shore, we're brought into this culture that we don't want to get our hands dirty. Oh, no, that's beneath us. We just pay other people to do all the dirty work for us. We pay somebody else to cook our meals for us and deliver our meals to our house. We pay somebody else to to mind our kids, and we pay somebody else to, to bundle the postcards at church. But please don't ask me to get my hands dirty. But our Lord Jesus Christ, he got his hands dirty. He stooped low. He came to serve. And that's our model. That's our example. That's our verse tonight. I, Jesus, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. So you also should wash one another's feet. That's our our one big idea. Here's a big idea. Since our Lord Jesus has humbly served us, since our Lord Jesus has humbly served us, we must humbly serve others. Can you remember that this week? Because Jesus humbly served you and me, we are called, we're commanded to serve others humbly. Let's just unpack the first half of that verse. Since our Lord Jesus humbly served us, Do you understand this? That the the Lord Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the one with all power and all authority, the one who had every right to sit on high, to sit on his throne and expect for others to serve him, he chose not to be served, but to serve, to stoop low. John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. This is the, the setting 
for this extraordinary encounter. The Passover was a time of year where God's people would, would celebrate and remember God's redemption from Egypt. They'd remember the blood of the lamb on the doorpost when God passed over them and did not kill them. They celebrated rescue and redemption and salvation. And in this passage, we, got, we learn lots of things about Jesus. We, we learn that he is all-knowing. Do you spot that in verse 1? He's all-knowing. He knew the hour had come for him to leave this world. He knows he's facing death. He knows he's about to die. He knows, verse 1, that he is returning to the Father. He knows who he is. He knows he's the Son of God. He knows, verse 2, that Judas is about to betray him. He knows, verse 3, that the Father has put all things under his power. So he knows that he has control over everything. He can snap his fingers. He can do what he wants. He knows, verse 3, that he, is come, he has come from God and was returning to God. He knows who he is. He knows he's fully God. And so this all-powerful, all-knowing Son of God who is all-loving, did you spot that, verse 1? He's all loving. This is his motivation. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that phrase, to the end. To the end, it could mean to the end of his life. It could mean he loved them totally, completely and fully. It could mean both. I think it means both. Our Lord Jesus Christ loved all people. He even loved Peter who would deny him. He even loved Judas who would betray him. So that's Jesus, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the all-loving Son of God, the name above every name, the one before whom every knee will bow, the one who had every right to be served. He stoops low and humbly serves us. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress. So the Passover is being celebrated. And just so you understand that, uh, the Passover is, is not this, this great banquet feast. It's a simple meal. And don't think a high table. Think a low coffee table. And the disciples would not be sitting on chairs. They'd be reclining on a cushion, and they would have their head next to the table. They'd lean on their left arm to their right hand. They could eat the food. And their feet would be pointing outward, radiating outward. And let's be honest. No one likes feet, do they? Feet are smelly, crusty, tinnied, bunions, callous, whatever you call it. They are ugly and they are filthy and they are dirty. But try living in Jesus' day. There's no cars. You just walked everywhere. So your feet were really calloused. And there's no tarmac. The roads were dirty, muddy, dusty, and filthy. And there are no shoes. You either walked barefoot or you wore sandals. And so these disciples have just walked 20 kilometers from Bethany on muddy, dirty roads in their sandals. It's like you walking 20 kilometers to church tonight through a muddy field in your thongs. And your feet are filthy and sweaty and dirty and calloused. And here's the question. Who's going to wash your feet? See, at the Passover, there's a large, uh, large... A container of water, and a servant has been given the lowly task of washing your feet. Now, no one wants that job, do they? 
Now, in Jewish custom, even a Jewish slave wouldn't wash feet. That was reserved for the Gentile slaves. It's the lowest of the low to wash feet. But on this night, there is no servant to wash the feet. So who's going to do it? And you think, well, it must be the disciples. The, the disciples are going to wash the feet. Because just the day before, just the day before, Jesus has said to his disciples, those who want to be great must learn to serve. Must learn to serve others. And so you think the disciples say, here's my chance to serve. But they don't. Because I think the disciples are just like you and me. They're selfish. And they're proud. They just think about themselves all the time. And here's Jesus, the Son of God, the King of the universe, and he stoops low and washes those dirty, filthy feet. Look at it with me. I love the word so in verse 4. It's a great word. Jesus had all power. He's come from God. He's returning to God. So. But this is the way he shows his authority. This is the way he shows his identity. He shows his security and who he is. So he got up for the meal. He doesn't lord it over them. He takes off his outer clothing. So he's just left there bare-chested or maybe a linen undergarment. He wrapped a towel around his waist. So he's dressed like a slave. And he acts like a slave. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' dirty calloused Galilean feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I wonder how they felt. How would you feel when someone washed your feet for you? I'm going to invite Ed up. I'm going to wash his feet. Come and grab a seat. Tell us, Ed, how do you feel? <laughs> I was just wondering if I still had athlete's foot. That was one <laughs> thought. Uh, it's a, a humbling experience. Um, it's uh, certainly strange to have your boss kneeling at your feet. Um, yeah, and it, it feels slightly uncomfortable, but it's certainly... Uh, it reflects a sort of willingness to go beneath someone. Mm. Um, yeah. I wonder how the disciples did feel. I think they probably feel a bit embarrassed. Uh, embarrassed that they hadn't thought about washing Jesus' feet. Embarrassed that he was there kneeling down his hands and knees and touching their dirty feet. Stunned that Jesus would do that for them. 
We get a window into how they felt from Peter in verse 6. Jesus came to Simon Peter, and I love Peter because he always speaks before he thinks, and he kind of does what we would do. He says, look at verse 6, Lord, this is, this is the, the, the tone of this, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? He's saying, no, 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 this is wrong. This is all wrong. Now, I should be washing your feet, not you washing my feet. And he's right. He's actually right. Now, Peter should be washing Jesus' feet. But I do think that Peter's bought into this worldly concept of hierarchy where someone above you can't serve on someone below you. And I think we do that all the time, don't we? Let's be honest. We, we rank people on a scale and we, we're above some people and below other people and we expect those below us to serve us. And Jesus turns on his head and says, no, no, we're all equal. We're all servants. In verse 7, Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but, but later you will understand. He's saying, after my death and after my resurrection, and when the Spirit of God comes, then he will open those eyes and you will understand. Now, now Peter just digs his heels in. He's so stubborn. There's a double negative in verse 8. Peter says, no, never. No, you will never wash my feet. This is not going to happen, Jesus. That's pride, isn't it? That's so proud that he will never allow Jesus to serve him. Maybe there are people here tonight who are too proud to allow Jesus to serve you. Love Jesus' answer in verse 8. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. He's saying, Peter, the only way that you can have fellowship with me is if you let me serve you. The only way that you'll be belong to me is if you allow me to love you and to serve you. You must be served by me to be saved by me. That is humbling, isn't it? Until you allow Jesus to serve you, you cannot be saved. And then Peter, he goes from one extreme to the other, verse 9. Then, Pete, then Lord says, Peter, not, not just my feet, but my head and my hands as well. What's the whole of me? This is such a, a visual aid, isn't it? The, the Lord Jesus, the, the King of glory, on his hands and knees, stooping low for you. That's how much he loves you. Now, when somebody of a high position does that for you, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? I had a great boss at my church in London such a humble rector. He used to say to me, I'll be the first person at church on a Sunday morning. I'll be the last person to leave church. Put me on lockup. Put me on the garbage duty. Often said, Paul, you go home. Let me lock up for you. Spoke volumes. When I first became a Christian, I went on a youth camp. And the youth pastor, who was quite a prominent platform speaker, spent the entire week in the kitchen peeling potatoes. That spoke volumes. My friends, if Jesus can stoop this low for you, then so should we. I don't care who you are tonight. You can be the archbishop, you can be the bishop, you can be the rector, you could be a Christian for 50 years, 40 years, 30 years. You could be the most uh, high-profile evangelical in this diocese. I don't care who you are. If Jesus can stoop low, then so can you. That's the challenge. But this is not just about foot washing. This is not just the physical act of washing feet. There's something much more deeper happening. It's a spiritual thing. Remember that our reading from Philippians 2? 
that Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself to take on flesh. That was humbling. He humbled himself to become a servant and wash feet. That is humbling. But he went further. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. And this same Son of God, he didn't just dress like a slave. He walked to Calvary. And at that cross, he shed his blood. He humbled himself enough to die for you so that you could be cleansed, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be washed completely clean. That's how much he loves you. And that's what verse 10 is all about. Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. They're not every one of you, because Jesus knew that Judas would not be clean. All he's saying there is that when you have a bath in the morning or at night time, you are fully clean. But as you go through life, you know, your, your feet get dirty, your hands get dirty. But you don't keep having baths all the time. You just wash the things that are dirty. And that's the, the, that's the picture of the Christian life. When you first come to Christ, when you humbly say, yes, Jesus, I need you to serve me. I'm not worthy. I can't do this by myself. When you come to the cross and accept his forgiveness, you are fully clean. So positionally, you are right with God, clean in his sight. Praise the Lord for that. But as you go through life, you keep messing up, don't you? Well, I do. I keep stuffing up all the time. I'm pulled in this direction with this temptation on this trial, and I sin here, and I sin there. But every time I go back to the cross, Jesus is there ready to forgive me. It's like that daily repentance, that daily forgiveness. It's this beautiful thing where Jesus not just humbled himself 2,000 years ago for you, but today and tomorrow and the next day, he's ready, willing, and waiting to humble himself so he can forgive you again and again and again. Do you get that? Jesus asks a really important question in verse 12. I want to ask it to you tonight. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Do you understand what I have done for you? So let me ask you, do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Have you actually allowed yourself to receive from him? Have you humbly come to him and said, I need your cleansing? You see, it's perfectly possible to sit in church and to hear a sermon on washing your feet and to leave here and do lots of marvellous deeds, do some kind acts, to be compassionate towards others, to serve others. But if it's not coming from a, a clean heart, then it's just religion. But when you've been cleansed by Jesus, then you want to cleanse other people. So do you get it? And do you regularly, constantly Keep coming back to Jesus. He's got arms wide open, ready to humbly forgive you again. So Jesus humbled himself for us. Max Licardo says this, Our Savior kneels down and gazes upon the darkest acts of our lives. But rather than re recall in horror, he reaches out in kindness and says, I can clean that for you if you want. And from the basin of his grace, he scoops a palm full of mercy and he washes your sins again and again and again. That's Jesus, humbly serving us. Now here's the second half of our verse. So we must humbly serve others. We must humbly serve each other. 
And I reckon Jesus' visual aid did more than 10 hours of lecturing on humility ever would because actions speak louder than words. See what Jesus says, verse 14, Now that I, your, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. That word should is, is weak. The word literally there is you must. It's an imperative. It's an indicative. It says it's, you've got an obligation here. You owe this. You have a, a foot-washing debt to pay. Verse 15, I've set you an example. Do as I have done, says Jesus. Verse 16, if I, your master, can serve you, then you can serve others. And again, I don't care who you are, how many titles you've got, how, many, how important you think you are, or how important other people think you are. Nobody, nobody is above serving others. So what will it mean to wash each other's feet? I don't think it's literal. I don't think Jesus expected us to, every time we gather, wash each other's feet. Now, some churches have the three sacraments of baptism, communion, and foot washing. I think that's wrong. It's actually very trendy at the moment in many churches to have foot washing ceremonies. The problem I have with it is all these churches are Instagramming all these people washing feet, saying, hey, look at me, I'm washing feet, which is the exact opposite of what Jesus is trying to do. And I don't think it's a once-a-year papal thing. It's not a once-a-year thing. Feet washing is an everyday thing. It's a lifestyle thing. He's saying, will you live your life with this mindset of, of who can I serve and how can I serve and what can I do to help somebody else? That's what he's asking us. Now, now, now don't ignore the spiritual dimension here. Just as Jesus wasn't just physically washing feet, but he was spiritually cleansing, you and I have a role to play there. You can wash somebody else's feet spiritually. You know when someone has wronged you and hurt you and they come and say sorry, and you say, I forgive you. You're put into practice, forgive other people just as Christ has forgiven you, and your forgiveness is like a washing of their feet. You know, when you spot a brother or sister who is wandering or sinning and you gently and lovingly correct them and rebuke them, you're washing their feet. Uh, the key word there is gently. Please don't use boiling water so you scold them or scar them. But spiritually, you can bring a brother or sister back to, back to the fold. You're washing someone's feet when you refresh them spiritually, whether you read the Bible, you pray with them, you carry their burdens. There's a spiritual element to washing your feet, but it's not just spiritual. It's physical. Do you know you can't wash dirty, smelly feet without getting your own hands dirty? It's impossible to wash someone's dirty feet and keep your own hands clean. And so if you're going to wash someone's feet here at church, if you're going to serve others, it's going to cost you. You need to be realistic. You're going to get your hands dirty. Time, talents, money. It's an attitude of, of how can I serve somebody else? What can I do for you? Rather than always thinking, me, 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 me. What can I do for you? I, I do think we, we, we bought into this mentality of outsourcing everything. Pay for somebody else to mind the kids. Pay for somebody else to, to do all the working bees. 
you know, here at church, we, we, we do have working bees and no one turns up. But everyone's happy to put a bit of extra money to pay a handyman to do all the jobs. Uh, we're constantly asking for kids' church volunteers or creche helpers, but no one responds to the emails. They're all thinking, oh, that, that's beneath me. It's not beneath you. You're serving somebody else. You're enabling somebody else to sit under the word of God. Now, what could we do at 7 p.m. to wash other people's feet? Here's a few ideas. We could volunteer for crèche at 10 a.m. in the morning or at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. What a blessing that would be to some parents. You could offer one of your spare rooms to an intern rent-free. You could buy some groceries unprompted for someone in need without a pastor having to ask you. You could give anonymously to enable a teenager to go to the kick conference because some of our teenagers can't afford to go to that. You could come to playtime on a Monday or a Thursday and make sandwiches to enable the Christians to talk to all those unbelievers and share the gospel. How about visiting James Milson? or Lansdowne Garden, having a cup of tea with an old person that the world has forgotten. I'm not saying join a roster, just do it spontaneously. Go down to Greenway and do the sausage sizzle, but more than that, actually talk to the residents and love them indeed. You could anonymously clean the church kitchen. You could offer to put out the garbage. You could write a letter of encouragement rather than complaints. You could cook an, a meal for Alpha that starts this Tuesday. The list is endless. But all this stuff is done, you know, in the shadows, all unseized. Please don't tell me you've done it, and please don't expect other people to pat you on the back saying, well done. And please do it with the right attitude, not just the actions. The attitude of Jesus was he loved them, verse 1. He did it humbly because he thought about their needs, not himself all the time, and he did it willingly and voluntarily. So please, church, if you know how much Jesus has served us, we can and we must and we should serve others. And let's not just talk about it. Let's actually do it. I do love verse 17. I'll finish with this. Jesus says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that you know that Jesus has served you, now that you know he's commanded you to serve others, you'll be blessed if you do it. Not if you talk about it or write sermon notes about it or write papers about it, but if you get your hands dirty and actually do it. And see that word blessed in verse 17? It means blessed. It means that you'll live a, the most contented, the most satisfying, the most joyful Christian life and you enjoy this intimacy with God like you've never had before because you're getting your hands dirty and doing what Jesus would have done. That's the best way to live, isn't it? And the most joyful, the most contented, the most happy Christians I know are the ones who serve the most, expecting no applaud. And all they want is just to hear the words on that last day, well done, good and faithful servant so whoever you are make sure that you know how much Jesus has served you but if you do know that 
Let's start serving each other. Let me pray. Our Father, we are overwhelmed by the depth of our Lord Jesus and his humility. I want to thank you, Lord, that he would stoop that low. He stooped that low to take on flesh and then dress and act like a slave and stoop that low to walk that lonely road to Calvary so that we might be clean. Lord, if there are people here tonight who do not understand what Christ has done for them, I pray, Holy Spirit, open their eyes. May they see Jesus in all his humility and all his glory. Lord, make us a church that is like Jesus, loving others, serving others, thinking of others. Not for our praise, but for the praise of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ.